from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Well, hey there, fellow humor enthusiasts. I really think you're going to like this week's interview with Susan Sparks. I mean, she is funny. She's got a lot to share. She is a former trial lawyer turned pastor. She's a comedian. But my big question for you this week is, have you registered for the conference? If you haven't taken a look at the schedule, you haven't taken a look at the website, go to AATH.org and register now while you can still get the early bird rate. Plan your year now. April 12th through the 15th, sunny San Diego. We've got a great schedule planned. You're not one gonna you're not gonna want to miss one moment of this incredible conference. So without further ado, let's roll right into this awesome interview with Susan Sparks. And if you got any questions, got anything that you want to hear on LaughBox, shoot me an email, let me know. You can uh, get a hold of me at chip at unconventionalleader.com. That's chip at unconventionalleader.com. All right, here it is. Hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Today is a pretty cool day for me because I get to talk to somebody that I respect, somebody I think is hilarious, somebody I wish I got to see more, but I don't. I get to talk to Reverend Susan Sparks. You know, she is a formal tri- former trial lawyer, an attorney, preacher, comedian, speaker, author. She rides a Harley, which I don't ride a Harley. My wife rides a Harley. <laughs> I ride a Triumph, but it's always nice to talk to another another rider. Right on. Yeah. So, and I know that she's been you know all around the world. I know she's just got done. I think this summer with a huge motorcycle trip, which she, I was following on Facebook. It's always fun to kind of like ghost and stalk people on Facebook. So, <laughs> anyway, welcome to the sh- welcome to Laughbox. Oh, Chip, thank you so much. It's an honor to be part. Oh, well, the honor is actually, you know, all mine. Now, you know, I'm really interested. Well, I think we can get into that. But you know, for the people that are listening, if you could just give kind of like the 411 on, you know, who you are and maybe where you got your humor roots. Okay, yeah. I'm. Uh, well, I think you introduced the wacky career path very well. I'm a trial lawyer for 10 years, then jumped ship, went to seminary, and became a, a minister. I run a church up here in New York City. But I also am a stand-up comedian, and I've been doing comedy since I was doing law. And so now, you know, I'm trying to integrate it. It was hard enough to integrate it into the legal practice. To put it into the world of God, a little bit different story. But, you know, we can talk more about that. But here I am um, doing stand-up and working. In, my work is all about humor and healing and how humor empowers us and life, work, and the spiritual path. And, you know, I guess in terms of humor roots, it was my mom. Um, I came from a southern family, grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I just came from a family of storytellers. Mm -hmm. They weren't, you know, professional comedians, but they should have been if if they had the opportunity. It was my mom, my aunt. I think back about, you know, just sitting around the dinner table, and they would spin these stories about the craziest things, like just being at the grocery store or, you know, seeing somebody in church or this and that. And the story itself was not that funny, but the way they told it, the word choices, the, you know, the inflections, the way they would act out people's voices just brought it to life. And over time, I I think I just, um, I was lucky enough to absorb that and then maybe tap into some genes they passed down um, to create my own voice. And so that's, that's kind of how I see myself now as a comedian slash storyteller. And uh, yeah, I feel very lucky. And I can understand humor in 
the trial lawyer, lawyer world because hey, there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of things that are funny to me not only about the law but they're just like a whole glut of funny lawyer jokes out there but yeah. you know the whole you know humor in spirituality or being a preacher i mean i know the the best uh, uh, preachers that i've heard you know they're able to tell a good story and they're they're pretty funny um however a lot of people separate that a lot you know, separate spirituality yeah. from humor. And, you know, have you found that yeah. to be true? Oh, yeah, they have. And it's, a, it's been an uphill battle coming out of seminary. Even in seminary, I was trying to write a master's thesis on humor and religion. And I went to a pretty progressive um, seminary, uh, very engaged in humor and the arts. I mean, excuse me, um, faith in the arts and worship and arts. And they, the professors just were like, you have got to be kidding me <laughs> you're gonna write a master's thesis on humor and the bible uh, or humor in the great world religious traditions and they were like that's really cute why don't you pick something that's you know really worth academic study so it was a fight and it's been a fight all the way um, i'm lucky enough to be in a pulpit and surrounded by a community that understands the deep power of humor within the spiritual path but a lot of people think you know, to this day, they think, oh, you're just being funny in the pulpit. You're kind of showboating. That's a that's a tool you use as a preacher to engage people. And mm -hmm. while that is true to a certain extent, I mean, I actually studied stand-up as a lawyer to be able to use it in jury arguments as a rhetorical tool. That's, mm -hmm. You know, I watched the, the really good trial lawyers, and they were able to engage a jury with humor, which means you get rapport and trust right up front. So, yeah, I have moved that into the pulpit. but you know, Chip, the, the power is so much bigger than just telling a joke. It's, it's about how we come at the world. And, and my perspective on the spiritual path is that we have to bring everything we have. That's the, that's the pain, the laughter, the joy, everything, because it's all holy, except for the fact we check our humor at the door of our houses of worship like we check our coats. Right. And so my, my whole bit is you can't be healed unless you give God all the pieces. So bring it all got to bring it all in the door and it's all holy and it's all a gift. And, uh, that's, that's my approach to it. That is so funny. Cause I grew up Missouri Synod Lutheran. And so oh, there it, you go. when you say <laughs> check your humor at the door, that was pretty much it. I mean, they were all great, you know, funny people. However, when you, we were sitting there, yeah. it's like, you know, we're not here to smile. Uh -uh. We're, here to talk. we're here to praise. No. We're, here to, we're here to praise God. Uh, we'll talk to you. Oh after yeah. The service. It was a very uh -huh. serious thing. It was just, it's funny. I, you say checking at the door. That's hilarious. Well, I, I love that, Chip, because I was raised Southern Baptist, so you and I are brothers and sisters <laughs> through this, <laughs> this upbringing. But my husband's Lutheran, in fact. And, um, you know, just uh, <laughs> I'll share this with you. Before we got married, he said, I know that, you know, humor and comedy is important to you. I need you to read this book to make sure you're okay with this marriage. And the book was entitled um, Scandinavian Humor and Other Myths. And so <laughs> he is Scandinavian Lutheran and I read the book and I'm like, no, I'm still in. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. But <laughs> that's hilarious. There you go. No, yeah. why, why do you think people separate it like that? I mean, as far as, you know, checking yeah. at the door, cause I don't think it makes a difference. You know, I don't know if there are, that are real, there are religions that are naturally more funny than other ones. I have no idea. I just, you yeah. Know, well, Go ahead. There's, I mean, honestly, the great world, uh, Christianity is one of the few religions that, I, in my per, uh, my perspective, kind of blocks and shuns away from this joy and laughter. Every other major world religious tradition, Hinduism, Buddhism, 
um, you know, Judaism, of course, wins hands down for best use of humor in a religious context. Um, but they all engage it in organic ways in their scriptures and their rituals. Christianity, not so much. And, you know, I, there's a lot of explanations for that. I'll give you one out of the thesis that I did end up writing, and that's Puritanism. You know, a lot of our tradition comes out of the old Puritan world, and the Puritans believed that the body was evil. It was something that had to be fixed, had to be cleansed, had to be made right. And laughter as an organic part of the body was seen also as evil and also as kind of a sign of the fall. And they even outlawed laughter in their services in the early Puritan churches. So <laughs> I'm not sure we've strayed. I know. Can you imagine? So I don't know that we've strayed that far from that. Um, and it's, I think people are scared. They think, well, maybe it's blasphemous to laugh in church. But, you know, honestly, it's, there's a great theologian I love named Conrad Hires. And he said, you know, laughter in the church is not so much um, blasphemy. It's a sign of pride. You know, we think we're too important not to be able to laugh in the face of God. And that, that pride is actually the sign of the fall. So, you know, he kind of took it and twisted it around. And I love that. That this is a gift we've been given. It's who we are, but yet, oh, we we, we don't think that that's appropriate. We're too important for that. Well, it's funny because I remember being in uh, Oxen Hill, Maryland, where I used to live, and we were in church, a Lutheran church. Yeah, our kids were small. And the pastor was telling the story about the difference between men and women and how, you know, women, if you want to make them happy, you know, you get up in the morning and you do this, you do all these different things during the course of the day to, you know, to show your love. And for a man, you just show up naked. And I, I like, I bust out laughing and I am the only person, everybody turns around and looks at me and my wife just like kind of looks down like, oh, it, you like, cause it was just so funny. Like I burst out laughing and the pastor afterwards was appreciative of the fact that I actually gave some kind of response right. because everybody else was so stoic. Like, Hmm. They were like, right. they were they're reflecting on the merits of what he said. They're like, hmm. and I, just, I just bust out laughing. Right. So. Right. That's, that's great. Well, you know, the, um, the Egyptians had a creation myth where God laughed creation into being, which I found so interesting. It's, they, they claimed that there were seven blur bursts of laughter, and the seventh, I mean, which is interesting parallel to Genesis, and the seventh burst was God laughing the human spirit into being. And I love that image because it's like, you know, the Hebrew word for breath and spirit is the same word, ruach. So if we're laughing, exhaling, and inhaling, we're exhaling and inhaling the spirit. I mean, it's like, I love Anne Lamont. She's my favorite author. And she said, um, laughter is carbonated holiness. Isn't that funny? And nice. I just thought, perfect. It's perfect. And, it, you know, to me, that's like the organic. I mean, you, you describe the people in your church and you laughing, thank goodness, at this hilarious thing the pastor said. And then they kind of sat there. But the, the bottom line is your laughter was the most organic um, connection with God that was in that moment. So I, I think that's I love that that idea of the breath, that connection through laughter is is really where we connect with the holy. Interesting. I did not I, I did not know of the Egyptian uh, creation uh, story. That's very interesting. Well, <laughs> well, it's not something you know you're just gonna be hanging out reading. I mean, <laughs> it's a, oh, yesterday I was hanging out reading ancient Egyptian cuneiform, and the, <laughs> but I actually that was part of the thesis that I finally got to do and. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff about how ancient traditions, you know, as far back as the 15th century BC, that they were using humor and within the religious context to advance some, you know, connection with the holy. It's just, you know, our baggage, man. 
we, we got to let get some of this go. We do have a lot of baggage. And to me, I think there are a lot of things that are funny you know, from a Christian standpoint in the Bible, like in, in Genesis when, you know, God creates Adam and all the animals and he brings all the animals by him and saying, but no suitable helper was found. I see. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> So, you know, he's yeah. like, well, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about the goat? And Adam's like, no. Nah. And God's like, oh, we'll save those for the West Virginians. And then, you know, they just, <laughs> <laughs> he keeps going through all of them. He's like, none of them, none of them fit. So I, yeah. I, yeah. I there's a lot of humor uh, in there. But again, yeah, I'm I agree. Bit, I'm a little bit warped. Well, no, I, I mean, well, I love you for it, but I, I must be warped myself too because I see it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's so funny. People are like, well, but the Bible's not funny. I'm like, have you read it? I mean, really? <laughs> Because, you know, I mean, some of it I get that people don't catch because a lot of it's contextual. You know, for example, you know, Jesus goes, hey, if somebody sues you for your coat, give them your cloak, too. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily sound like Comedy Central. But if you think about how people dressed back in the first century, um, in first century Palestine, they only wore two pieces of clothing, a coat and a cloak. So if you, you're standing there and he, and the, the guy that's suing you takes your coat and you hand them your cloak, then you're standing in court naked, which in and of itself is funny. Right. But the twist is in that context, back in first century uh, Judaism, it's the person causing the nakedness that's the one to be shamed. So there's this really interesting twist in Jesus' story that we don't know because we didn't live back then, but it's hilarious. And I'm sure when he told it, people were like, oh, my gosh, that's great. You know, but then there's the obvious stuff like Sarah and Abraham. God comes down and says, uh, <clears throat> just want to tell you you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Sarah's like, um, I'm 90. <laughs> God's like, yep, that's the way it's going to happen. Yeah. And then, you know, Abraham falls on his face laughing. Yeah. And what happens? You know, she has the baby, and what happens? They end up naming the baby Isaac, the Hebrew word for laughter. Um, and I'll throw out one more, if you don't mind, my favorite, favorite, favorite. Uh, this is the proof that God has a sense of humor. There's a great story in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 9, where God gets mad at the Philistines because they stole the Ark of the Covenant. And basically, hold on, I'm open my little Bible right here. It says, um, okay, First uh, Samuel chapter 5, verse 9. And it was so that as the Philistines carried the ark about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a great destruction. And the Lord smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had hemorrhoids in their secret parts. Now, I'm sorry you can't make that up. You know, <laughs> there it is. It's right there in black and white in the Bible. So I don't want to hear about the Bible not being funny. <laughs> and that was yeah, a, the Philistines might have not thought that was so funny. I think it's hilarious. And that wasn't a mistranslation from the, you know, in the King James version. That's you know actually <laughs> it is in the it. You know what? You're gonna laugh. I actually did a, a paper in Hebrew on this because the word it's the word is ofel that means hemorrhoid. <laughs> and so I went to my Hebrew teacher. I said, "Tell me this is right because I'm going to use this for the rest of my life on the stand-up <laughs> stage." And we we did the back study. We went through, and it's been translated as tumor or lesion or blah blah blah. But King James, man, right there, that is, hemorrhoid. That is awesome. Isn't that great? That is great. <laughs> That's beautiful. And that's what I learned in seminary today. So, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> now, <laughs> your book, um, can you tell us a little bit about your book, Your Life, Your Way to Grace? Yeah. You know, what's, yeah, that, what's in there? 
Thanks, Chip. Um, yeah, it's a, a book. It, I published it back in 2010, and we it's just been re-released in hardback literally like a month or so ago, so I'm really proud of that. It's in Braille. It's in big print. It's been it's sold close to 30,000 copies so far, and I'm really proud of it. It's, it's kind of a part self-help, part memoir, part um, uh, look at how humor empowers us in life work in the spiritual path and it goes through each chapter talks about different aspects of life whether it's the goofy silly things that we deal with every day that bring us down um, it talks about my battle with breast cancer mm -hmm. I'm a survivor and I had a chapter or two in there about how humor was literally a lifeboat for me going through those those difficult times and it talks about humor in the spiritual path and in the end it talks about the choice of humor as a legacy you know we, we have really two choices in this life whether we're facing a good time or a bad, we can either find something to laugh at, some joy, some hope, and bring everyone else around us up, or we can focus on the negative, stay angry, stay resentful, and take everybody around us down. It's that simple. So the book kind of ends on that note of make the right choice. You know, it's about legacy and how you're remembered. And um, I'm really proud of it. That sounds awesome. Like I told uh, for Thank those you. of you listening, you Susan and I were talking a little before that until I was researching, I didn't know she had that book. And then I was like, man, I need that book. They said, you know, it'll be the first on my list to uh, get after this. And I suggest everybody gets it as well. Everybody listening, buy it, buy the book, buy it in Braille. Thank you. Even if you don't speak, yeah. if you don't read Braille, it'd be funnier that way. Right. <laughs> you, just make, right. you just make up your own, make up your own words. Now, if we get yeah, right. like, on the show, we've had all sorts of different people that talked about humor, how they use humor in their life, but we really haven't talked a whole lot about humor and spirituality. And I thought, you know, since you're a reverend, obviously, you know, you're, you know, you're, you got your humor chops there. You know, we talk a little bit about, you know, humor in the spiritual world, you know, even for those that you know, might view spirituality, you know, a little bit different than going to sure. church or an organized religion, because, you know, of to course. me, it spans a lot of, spirituality spans a lot of different things. For me, you know, like gratitude is a big piece of, you know, my spirituality. Of course. So, yeah. you know, let's, well, uh, let's I venture into that world. Well, I, the bottom line for me is, uh, in terms of humor and spirituality, is that humor really helps us keep our faith and live our faith, whatever that faith is. And I'm going to define it as faith in a greater power. Let's just let's just call it that way. Yeah. Um, but it's there's so many times in life. I mean, it's easy when you know you actually hit the lottery, or it's a sunny day and you don't have anything big on the to-do list at work, or you're at work and everybody's getting along, or your family's happy. That it's easy to live your ethics and your faith, but that's not how life goes. And, you know, there's going to be a point where you get struck with some type of problem, whether it's an annoying problem, like somebody in traffic stopping too fast in front of you or being at the DMV in a long line, or unfortunately maybe it's a chemo chair yeah. or divorce court or bankruptcy. And where do you keep your faith then? How do you keep those ethics and that love and that respect and that honor um, and that joy present then, and see, that's where humor to me came in. Um, I, I found, for example, in my particular case with cancer, it was like, man, if you can stand in a place of pain and find something to laugh about, then there's, that's the moment you take life back and you reclaim your power. You remind yourself that this is just what I'm going through. It's not who I am. And you remind yourself that, um, that 
that you've got the power to get through it. You stand a little straighter. I mean, I remember going into surgery for my uh, for uh, my uh, cancer, and the guy, I was terrified, of course, who wouldn't be? Right. And the, the anesthesiologist walks in, sees I'm really scared, and he points at the IV ball, and he goes, honey, don't worry. This stuff is a great vintage. <laughs> and I just started laughing hysterically, and then I went under, you know, and that was that. And it was not only in that moment of, I could, I know my blood pressure went down, but that intake of air was, I think, powerfully, powerful physically for me too, as, as I went into surgery. And I, there's something so um, incredibly grounding and powerful when you can laugh in a place of pain. And so that's, that's how I see the connection. I mean, there's technical connections about how humor has been used in the Bible, how, you know, God laughs, I think. Uh, how other religions have used it. There's, and we talked about the creation story that the Egyptians used. But I think the bottom line, for the practical standpoint, is to be able to laugh is the one thing that can help us keep living our faith, keep hope, keep joy through the good times and the bad. I agree. I completely agree with you on that because when you're in the depths of hell, it sometimes that's the only thing that can that can pull you out is you know that ability to find a little bit of humor in a humorless situation you do you have any tips for people on being able to you know find the humor in situations like that because i i think that like for me it's it's easier than it is for other people like i see humor all around so it's it's easy for me to see that but for some it's just they're wired a little bit different. It's hard for them to see that some of those funny things. Yeah. Um, I think that's true. You know, I, I say in the book, if you can laugh at yourself, you can forgive yourself. And if you can forgive yourself, you can forgive others. And I, I really try to live by those two phrases together. And so anytime I find myself in a situation that's really trying and I am about to pull my hair out. Then I remember, I think, you know, find something to laugh at about this or just step back for a minute and see the humor and the ridiculous nature of the situation. If it's annoying, even if it's painful, there's still something. If you can step back and see it with a little bit of a different spin, then you can laugh at it. Like, I mean, Charlie Chaplin said, life in the close-up is a tragedy, but life in the long shot is a comedy. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of perspective stepping back and just finding something, something that makes us even just smile a little bit, laugh a little bit. And, you know, I also love the um, quote that laugh and the world laughs with you and weep and you weep alone. Yeah, we've all heard that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so true. Even if you don't feel like laughing, even if you don't say anything funny, that if you lead with a smile, just make yourself smile or make yourself chuckle to yourself or laugh even out loud, just do it, then not only will your your mind and your heart follow suit, but the people around you will follow suit too. I mean, there's been scientific studies about the neurons in the brain that when you see someone smile, you automatically, the human body automatically smiles back in response. And so I think there's something very powerful about leading with a smile, leading with that joy. Even if we don't feel it inside, once we do it, then our own heart starts to change and we also change the world around us. That is beautiful. I, I again, I can completely, I'm like, it's mutual admiration society here. Cause I completely see that in my own world uh, when I'm going through stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, recently we, I always told my kids, 
I have four. I always told them that if I ever got to a point where, and when I got older, I didn't know who I was or anything like one of them had to promise to smother me with a pillow. And all of them said that oh, they, God. all of them said they wouldn't do it except for my son, Christian. And he said, I'll do it. <laughs> I love but, it. And it was the Christian that did it. <laughs> yeah. He said, he says, I'll do it, but I want it in writing. So after uh, <laughs> on, on Easter this year, I had, you know, major, major surgery and yeah, I was I just coming out of anesthesia and the kids to me were home for Easter and they walk in the hospital room and Christian's the last one to saunter in. I'm like, Christian, Christian, get the pillow. <laughs> he, he was just, <laughs> he's, That's he, great. All, all the kids started, you know, laughing and it was the thing that even though <laughs> I was in a, a lot of pain, they were really, they had been really worried about me, but that helped them of course. You know, with their own anxiety about worrying about me oh, as well. So it was uh it was, and evidently I'm hilarious when I come out of anesthesia. So um, <laughs> just, that I was told, That's I was told great. later that I was told a lot of, I said a lot of different things that I don't remember saying, but <laughs> they all thought it was hilarious. So That's wonderful. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, That's great. Then, good for Christian. Good for Christian. He, he didn't, he didn't, yeah. grab, he didn't grab the pillow obviously because I'm, I'm here. Yeah, right. You're so, here. I'm here today. That's great. So, looking at the whole stand-up thing, and I, I like that you did it as a tool to help you get rapport with juries when you're going through law school. Um, and I'll tell my favorite lawyer joke in a minute. But, you know, where did you, how did you work that out? Did you, you know, go through some classes and try it out in you know, different open mics? Or how did, how did that work? I did. Yeah. I, um, like I said, I was watching some of the, I was in Atlanta practicing law, watching the good old boys going up against them. And I realized the ones that were really good were funny. So I just took a couple of little, I mean, like one off one hour courses when I was in Atlanta and started studying it, uh, then started using it and then had a kind of a change in direction in life, moved to New York city and then started studying it really seriously at the American comedy Institute up here. And that's where I really learned, you know, they would put us up in, you know, dark smoky clubs for open mics and then start doing my own shows, the bringer shows. And then in seminary, I ended up meeting Rabbi Bob Alper, who was a full-time stand-up. And right after 9-11, where, when I was in seminary, Bob started this tour, the Laugh and Peace tour with a Muslim comic. And the three of us went on the road. And we have been doing it ever since. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're doing a big show up in Connecticut in two weeks to raise um, money for um, uh, Muslim folk who have been jailed um, in immigration for immigration issues. And so we are really excited to do that as a give back. But we're on the road full time. Churches, mosques, synagogues, Habitat for Humanity, the World Bank, the Clinton Center in Arkansas, whoever, you know, and it's a message of. Um, if you laugh together, if we laugh together, we can't hate each other. And right. it's about laughter as a bridge builder. <clears throat> and laughter is the time we see the commonalities and not the differences. And so that's the thing that I'm most proud of right now is that comedy tour, because that's the thing that's cutting through the headlines and the craziness that we've got on our plates these days that, and the stuff that's going to take this nation down, this world down. And I think laughter is the one thing that's going to help us through it. So we're doing what we can. That is so cool, I mean, because that's like a, uh, a setup joke right there. You know, a, a, a right. reverend, you know, a rabbi <laughs> right. and a, a Muslim, they all walk into a comedy club. I mean, that's, that's right. in and of itself it is funny. Isn't that great? So <laughs> when you go out and is the the comedy you do then 
on that uh, when you do your set is does it revolve around you know your own um, you know does each one revolve around it your own faith background to you know show the yeah. similarities and the funny things about it yeah it's um we don't we stay within i always say you know i've got i can talk within my circle i can talk about women baptists ministers you know lawyers people with red hair people like cowboy boots but the second i step outside the circle is where it gets dangerous and i uh-huh. think we there's an, a danger of being disrespectful so the three of us stay in our circles but i'm the christian chick mc i get up i introduce i will warm up the crowd for about 15 minutes and then i'll introduce um probably uh, it depends, Bob or uh, Azhar, whoever's going to be second. Then I do another set, 10 minutes, and then introduce the third comic, whoever we flip off, depending on the audience, who's going to be the end. And then the three of us get up there. But our whole pitch is about just who we are and what's going on. Like I talk about being a Southerner in New York, which is just the most exhausting thing. They don't sell Velveeta up here, you know. And, you know, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's just so – traumatic for me you know i don't even know what whatever that stuff is it's like cheese whiz and silly putty or whatever but i love it and i want it and they don't sell it here so you know my i've got that pitch bob the rabbi talks about just daily life as a rabbi and you know he tells a great story about going to israel after he studied he was after seminary and he studied his biblical hebrew and he was all excited so he got in a cab and told the guy what he thought was let me off here and the cab driver just burst out laughing and he goes <laughs> You know what you just said? You just said, behold, here I descend. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and then Asar gets up and talks about being a Muslim in America. Like, he goes, you know, um, let's talk about being Muslim in America, but let's talk about being Muslim in America in airports. You know, dead silence in the audience. And he goes, you guys get upset because you have to be there two hours beforehand? He goes, I have to be there two months ahead of time. And so, you know. It's just little tiny observations about life, about our families, about uh-huh. things that all of us, meaning everybody in the audience, I mean, and this audience is like Easter hats, yarmulkes, burkas, everything. Everybody shares that, and people leave not only with a different image of, oh, a Baptist, this is actually a different idea of what I had. Oh, a Muslim, this is a different idea than what I had. Oh, a rabbi, this is a different idea. They walk away with different images, but they also walk away realizing that we all have way more in common than we do different. And that's the whole point of the show. And that's what I'm, I'm really proud about that. Well, how, how did, does the show get booked then? Do, do like say like a community wants you in and then they work the, you know, the whole fundraising, you know, aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's that simple. Yeah. The, usually <laughs> they'll call Bob is, um, yeah, I mean, they can just email our website, email my website, or email Bob Alper. Um, but we we do any kind of show. Um, like I said, m- a lot of ours is, are nonprofits that are bringing us in. We um, the World Bank actually brought us in to do for Diversity Week, and then globally streamed it across you know all the channels, which was wow. very cool. Um, but then you know we do Habitat for Humanity. We did the uh, the Clinton Library. We and then we do mosques and uh, churches and then tons of colleges and universities. I mean, University of California, University of Alabama, University of, you know, Washington, whatever. Um, and it's, it's just all kind of different audiences that bring us in. And so all you have to do is just give us a shout and we'll talk to you. We'd love how, to. Cool, how cool is that? Um, I, I would love to see that just mainstream on Comedy Central because I think that you're right. <laughs> well, there's never been. It would be great. 
there's never been a better time to laugh and we don't we we need it more right. than we've ever needed because there's so mis so much misunderstanding between different groups of people and the more that and tying it back to what you said before building that rapport like you used to do with juries i mean it's the same thing you know between just people just understanding being able to laugh at our own foibles you know things that are funny about ourselves you know that that can't help but you know, or can't do anything but help us get along better i mean that is I know. A, a fantastic thing that you're doing that is awesome i'm just like stoked thank you I, i'm just thinking well man, I, I would love to bring you to racing wisconsin yes <laughs> is that where you are yeah are you in racing you're yeah. kidding me i didn't realize that we have a cabin in chatek near rice lake oh okay i'm flying there monday i oh. know this is not part of the interview excuse me but <laughs> yeah we're totally wisconsin people I'll wave at you. How? Yeah, do please, please. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, we. Uh, as a matter of fact, I um, one of my favorite sermons is about. Uh, uh, is kind of about if you want an example of using humor in preaching and religion, it's called uh, the compost heap, and it's from our cabin. It talks about you know letting things stink up in the house, and I ran out and threw it on the compost heap, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is a great sermon. So the sermon asks the question, what trash do we need to throw out in our lives and what beautiful new thing do you want to grow in its place? Mm -hmm. And so I love that from the compost heap at the cabin. That was one of my favorite sermons. Awesome. Thank you, Wisconsin. Thank you, Wisconsin. Land of, I'm not, I'm not an original here. I'm an implant. I was just, when I retired from the Navy, this is where I ended up. So cool. But But you're a cheesehead now. I am trying to, this is the longest I've lived anywhere in my adult life. So I'm trying to em- embrace my Wisconsinness. So I don't drink beer. So I double, <laughs> I double up on the brats and the cheese, which isn't good for my figure. Good. Go green, go green Bay. Go green Bay. <laughs> I, it's so much, I've had so much fun talking to you. And uh, after today, if people want to find you, where did they go? They can go to my website, which is susansparks.com. They can also look up our church, which is Madison Avenue Baptist Church, and the website is mabcnyc.org. Just so our listeners know, uh, we live stream our sermons every week, so you can just literally go on real time on Sunday at 11 if you want to just hang out in your bed with a bagel and coffee, which is totally cool and watch us live stream or it's recorded so you can watch it later in the week or you can grab a podcast. So, you know, that'd be great. And on my, on my website, there's a newsletter that I send out each week in honor of my Harley roots. I call it the shiny side up from the saying, keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down. And so I send this out every week with a little bit of inspiration to help you through. So if you want to be on our mailing list, please just go to the website and sign up. And you've got your YouTube channel as well. I saw that on your website. Got YouTube, um, yes, and it's all on the website. You can access all kind of good, juicy stuff. Awesome, very cool. Well, um, thanks so much for sharing some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I, that, you, you're doing such oh, cool, Chip, thank you, such, such cool stuff. So exciting to you know thank hear you. about what you're thank doing. you and thank you for what you do. Oh, I don't do anything, but I, you're welcome. yes you do yes you do you're the voice of aath i love it and thank you so much and i and i just want to give this last like 30 second quick plug i um aath is what um really got me into this work they were gracious enough long time ago i ended up meeting patty wooten and it was like maybe 20 years ago when i was way before seminary and it changed my life it got me on the path of this humor and healing and uh, it really walked me through all of the hitches that I ran into and the problems that I faced, and it got me through, and here I am. And I just want to give a big shout-out for AATH because they 
um, they really got me where I am right now, and I just can't tell them how much I appreciate it. That's what I tell people too. That a lot of times for people you, you, throughout your life, for me anyhow, you know, I've been the the oddball or the outcast. But with an ATH, I'm pretty normal. So it, there you go. Like finally, <laughs> finally found finally found my home, and uh, you know, decent That's right. and uh, doing great work. I mean, all of our people out there do such fantastic things in yeah. the, the world and trying to make a difference. And I truly believe that, you know, like you said, you know humor and laughter is the thing that's going to, it's going to save us. You know, people don't want to admit it, but it's, there's nothing else we can do, but just laugh at some of the stuff that's going on because it is all so crazy. So that's right. And you know what, Chip, I'll mention one last thing. Um, I'm actually doing a TEDx talk. It's going to hit in October and it's called world peace, one joke at a time. So I hope people keep an eye out for that. Sweet. And I will end with my favorite lawyer joke of all time. All right. Here it comes. You ready? Why don't, yep, lawyers, I'm ready. why don't lawyers go to the beach? I don't know. Because cats keep trying to cover them up with sand. So. Oh, <laughs> okay, that's really bad. It is really bad. It's really bad. So I, yeah. <laughs> and on, and on that, that happy note. On that happy note, <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chip. I really All appreciate right. it, too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit LaughBox.AATH.org.